was may mayhem chaos interesting a lot of different words to put in today's race definitely frustrating it was a long race it felt like it was just so many unnecessary things happened You're talking about like as a fan or as a mercedes fan no just like in general like the race took forever to start there's the you know the race directors are kind of like battling it because there's multiple race directors like on who who's right i don't know it just felt it felt long and boring though like i think the most fun was seeing ghastly at the start and then signs at the end badly yeah i didn't i i, I could understand why people thought it was boring it was okay to me it wasn't a terrible race it wasn't a great race um i think it just shows like this is also why like are we really gonna lose like is this race i don't think it should be on the calendar because it's kind of like whatever wherever you are from a track placement standpoint or track position, like that's where you're going to be. I mean, the beautiful part was watching the strategy that unfolded. Like I, I, I called that. I thought Red Bull would, would end up winning. I thought Max would win, but Checo did. But it's just strategy is a big thing here. And it's it's a different part of when you think about it as, as a sport, right? It's not just racing. It's strategy that's evolved too. And Monaco is purely one of those tracks where maybe strategy and you get to see the team's chess play, which can win you a race. And, Red Bull strategy won them this race today, so it won them the race. But um, I guess that's right because I was going to say Ferrari's mistakes, but Ferrari made the wrong strategy. They screwed up. Exactly. So I understand raceability. I, I I don't mind if Monaco leaves, but maybe they have it there because it still shows like racecraft, not obviously on the track as much, but strategy and what your team can do. Charles was you know mad and rightfully so. He was on. Like, he was going to win his home race. Obviously, he finished his home race for the first time in his career, but you heard the frustration, and at the end, when his engineer came on and said P4, it's like, it's not... You probably just don't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't the smartest move. Same with Mercedes, too. I had no idea why they pitted Lewis behind Ocon. Yeah. And, and then you, what, you pit him, like, six laps after? Later, for, yeah. For you slicks. pit him to Anderson, and you pit him again. It was... Again, like, there wasn't much that... I was expecting like any heroics from Mercedes, but it wasn't great. Like the strategy was off though. It's like the track is already drying up. And, and if you want to go on Inters, you should have went on Inters like six or seven laps prior to that when I know I know I think Crofty called it or Brundle's like, we gotta switch Hamilton's gotta go for Inters now to try to play for the race. But ultimately after he pitted, it was just it was like five or six laps on Inters and he switched to slicks. And I just to me, I just didn't understand the strategy. Same with, like, like what, what the hell was Ferrari doing with Charles? But you guys were already there where the track was drying up and there's no rain. Why not just wait it out another five, six laps? Even if you lose two or three seconds, because that's only 10, 15 seconds. A pit stop loses you 21, so... The strategy play is everything at Monaco because where you come out is pretty much where you're going to end. Like, we saw even with George, like, he had the better tire on the restart with the mediums. Charles was on the hards, but... There's no point. Like, you're not going to be able to overtake. So, yeah, the strategy plays into your track position. And if you screw it up, well, then you've got no race. Yeah, I also... I mean, listen, there definitely is a possibility for overtake. It's not likely. Obviously, when you think about, like, Pierre Gasly, he had nothing to lose. That's why he'd make those moves. So, But also, you can overtake if you have a significant advantage. Like, if you're on inters versus wets and the track is drying, like, that's a significant... Yeah, and that comes that, that plays a part. Like, if Sainz was a little bit more ballsy, I'm sure he would have attacked. Uh, he would attack Checo, but he didn't want to lose his podium, right? So 
maybe someone like Max last year would have attacked on a space where check where um, he thought he saw. But I think Carlos is overall a safe driver, and him finishing second doesn't tell me anything about his year. Like this doesn't mean anything. Doesn't change my mind about anything about Carlos. Did you think there was the slightest chance that Carlos was maybe going to get ahead of Checo? No. I just knew he wasn't taking a risk. Carlos mm-hmm. is not the type of driver that's just going to, like, drive up the inside and, and, and make it, like, take a 50-50 and, like, make you lose or win that, right? So, no, I did not expect him to overtake unless there, unless Checo made a mistake, and I didn't really expect Checo to make a mistake. How happy are you for Checo? All things considered, last week in Barcelona, he has to give up his position to Max. And now he out-qualifies his teammate and then wins a race. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to dig into that. He had, I mean, Max got screwed by Checo, obviously running into the wall yesterday, but I'm not going to dig into that. It's great for Checo, though, but I don't want to build into a storyline like all justice and karma is just, you want to race. It's just great because it also continues to, you know, Max is the champion leader right now, a championship Mm -hmm. leader. Um I want to see Checo have a fair shot at his teammate. See, that I, I think that's obviously a conversation we can have. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Remember, if he didn't, he would have only been 18 points behind him if they didn't swap last race, and then he would have been 10 points ahead, so it would have been like an eight-point gap, which is basically one race and a fast lap. So it is what it is, man. We'll see what happens, but Checo's definitely in the championship hunt, and you know, Red Bull's got to give him a fair shot, too. So they can't just prioritize Max because Checo has a fair shot. I, I I am hard stance on that. If both drivers have a fair shot, then you have to not prioritize one driver. I agree. I think there needs to be a fair shot between the teammates. Don't prioritize one or the other. It's pretty obviously obvious that they will prioritize Max. It's just Red Bull. They may not, though. Who knows? Hopefully they don't, but, you know, maybe maybe Christian Horner goes to Max and is like, Checo's in the fight too. You saw what he did for you last year. He's willing to be a team player, so you have to be a team player on the other side. So It's just not in Christian's kind of characteristics. We'll see what happens. We don't know. We don't. We honestly don't know. I'm not going to make a call on that. I doubt it, but I'm not going to say he won't do it. Um, today showed why Latifi continues to just be... Yeah, shout out to Ricky for putting a dollar and so with Jake and Keegan on Latifi because I told him, even though it's a dollar, you're never getting that dollar back. Nicholas Latifi does not belong in F1. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I'm comfortable with that statement. He might be one of the 50 best drivers in the world, but he's definitely one, not one of the <laughs> top 10, like, 20 drivers in the world. He's bad, man, and it's embarrassing. Um, let's talk about Mick. Another big kind of crash for Mick. I don't think that's his fault. He lost control. You think it, it was I think his, his rears gave out on him when you watched uh, when you watch But isn't that because of him? No, I I, I mean Danny Ricardo's fault wasn't his fault mm. when he got in an accident because his rears just gave out because of the setup they had. It could have been his rears gave up on him because of the of the awesome setup. I don't know. The way it looked like is his rears just gave out of him randomly. We did say uh he was on coming our off a that Haas was not gonna have a good weekend. Yeah, I mean I I call that. But uh, what I'm saying to you is I don't know. It, th- when you watched the replay, it looked like his rears just gave out on him, and he just slid. So I'd be curious to understand why it is. But as of right now, it didn't look like his fault. But if it was his fault, then I don't know, man. Mick is Mick has had a rough, rough year so yeah. far. Very, the jury's out. Year. We'll figure out what's going to happen. Like, if it was the rears, then, tr- you know, that's Haas's fault. But it's another big shunt. It's another big cost. I mean, it's not cheap to fix a car. No, and that's what people are underestimating, too, like, Haas doesn't have upgrades because they've spent so much money repairing these cars, right? 
Every single time you repair a car, it costs money. But yeah, it, it's very interesting. I don't know what to say. I, I that I, when I watched it, I was like, I was like, when you first seen it, you seen the car split too. So you're like, what the hell is going on? Like it looked like way worse than it was. Obviously, it wasn't that bad, but. It just looked like his rears gave out on him, man. Like, it didn't look like he, he, he could have done much. But I'm curious to see what the actual data is. Was he pushing it a little too fast? But he might have went onto a, a wet spot and slipped. Like, you know, you saw Joe almost do it too. Yeah, so. and, and Perez early when he was defending. Um, it's Haas's... I'm trying to, like, look at this first, you know, call a third of the season. Showed sparks... They've had a rough go at it for the last few years. I thought and, it was a fluke. And it's just like, you know, K-Max didn't finish the race either. A lot of people were saying that they could finish fifth or sixth or seventh, but it's like, no, nah, it was a fluke. I mean, listen, they probably will finish eighth because Williams and Aston Martin are that bad. Actually, no, it's Vettel's doing better, but it was a fluke at the beginning of the year. And I don't know, the, the jury's out on Mick. I don't think that was his fault entirely. I think his rears just gave out on him, but... Um, if it is his fault, then uh, yeah, yeah, Mick, Mick, you got some questions. You got some yeah. answering to do. Um, who would you say drove the best race today? Um, Checo. I, I think Checo was the right driver of the day. He didn't make any mistakes when he was defending, even with his flat spot. He, um, he obviously had great pace every single time. Yeah, I'd probably say Checo. I mean, who, who do you have as your driver of the day? I mean, I think Checo's the obvious answer. I was thinking, is there anyone else in the pack that was like, you know, I think... No, but nobody else really did anything impressive, right? So, when you think about it, what did Lewis do? Nothing. What did George do? Nothing. What did Lando do? Nothing. What did Alonso do? Alonso was probably my least driver of the day. Yeah, because he held up the entire... Yeah. (laughs) What did Max do? What did Charles do? Nobody did it. I mean, if you really want to be technical, I mean, Charles drove a great race other than... His team. Yeah, but his team is responsible for his loss. But today. who are you going to give it to? Driver Day Checo or Charles? I'm yeah, it goes to Checo, and he becomes the most successful Mexican driver in Mexican history. Like, I'm is, is today he already the most spot. successful Mexican he driver. He was tied, tied for two. wins. Yeah, uh, I don't. I bet you had more points. Yeah, than more guy. points, more podiums, but it was tied for two race wins. Now he's got three. Yeah. So um, okay, it's Fair. like great to see, and it's just also kind of ironic that Carlos was chasing him and he's still chasing his first win. Like, I'm starting to think, like, is Carlos not going to get a race win? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Carlos will ever get a race win, but today didn't do didn't prove anything for me. He took advantage of a very I've also noticed that situation. Carlos always has an excuse. What was his excuse today? I don't feel like he had that an excuse. He did. He said the lap car screwed him. Yeah, I mean. From winning. It's like, come on, bro. That's not really an excuse. He didn't. He didn't get mad about. It. He's just saying. But he, he always has like these remarks that kind of like he's got an answer for everything. It's like, so do, doesn't Max? So doesn't? I mean, all the drivers do. Be like, if this didn't happen, I, I just find the way it maybe comes from Carlos just sounds a little. Yeah, bit I mean, like, you you just you're just looking at Carlos as an excuse maker because at the beginning of the year he says he's not comfortable, and now we're seven races in, he's still <laughs> not comfortable. So it's kind of just his kind of way he's rocking. It's just Carlos seems to find. Um, Seems to not just, I guess you say he doesn't hold accountability for his own actions, which I, that might be fair. Better than an excuse. Yeah, like, accountable. does he own it? There, that, that, that's probably a better word. He, I don't know if he's accountable, but, man, I feel bad for Charles. Home race. It was tough, like, because I was, like, I wanted Charles to win. I had him first. Uh, I guess the Monaco 
Maybe he does just have I bad luck. I told you, he's cursed at Monaco. Now, at least he finished a race because I, I didn't have him finishing the race. But, hey, shout out to my guy, Charles. He at least got some points. It's good for uh, Checo to kind of slow down Max a little bit, but it still widens the gap between Max and um, Charles. First time Max hasn't won, and he's finished a race this year. I know. Which is big news. Obviously, my guy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Saturday, is now Mr. Sunday. Uh, he's not Mr. Sunday. He hasn't won a race yet. But For only driver, man, continues his top five. He still has his top five finish. I wonder. Um, I wonder what the Mercedes dynamics gonna look like in six races. So we're going to Baku. It is a street circuit, but you can race in Baku. Yeah, there's, there's I think Canada is when we'll see the first kind of proper race for Mercedes. I think I think Baku would be a good race too. Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, for sure, Baku doesn't have as much um, space as per se maybe Canada, but Baku has some has a nice long straight. I mean, I think it is a very technical challenge. Of course, probably one of my favorite street circuits on the calendar. Yeah, Baku's good. I mean, Canada Canada's all right too, but. I don't think I don't think we'll really get to see anything until we get to your back to Silverstone. Europe. Silverstone. That's when everything changed last year. Yeah, you also have like when we have uh, the Austrian ring coming up. So I think I think after Canada, you'll really get a good feel for what Mercedes car will be like for the rest of the year, like if it's going to be competitive. But the car looks good. I mean, they had one of the best race paces today. So again, great race pace. It's just in, on a track like this, it's tough to overtake. Yeah, so what are you making of the, of, of the George and Lewis thing? Because you heard Toto come on. Well, not you didn't hear him, but you heard reports that Lewis is all about the team. He's willing to run strategy. But it must not be fun losing to George Russell. Yeah, I, I don't know if Lewis is looking at him and being like, I'm losing to George Russell. But he I think be. he's happy that George has done really well. And, um, you know, we also don't understand, like, is Lewis spending more time on the R&D to develop the car? There's all these things that we're, we, we're not privy to. We do to. know he's spending more time in New York. Yeah, I mean, I think since um, since that, it's almost been a little bit more apparent that he's been spending more time with the team. Um, yeah, so. I told you the world will have something to say about that, but that's not even the point. It's just, at the end of the day, you had a better car in qualifying, right? This is the way I'm looking at it. You had a better car in qualifying. You clearly had a better pace, and I don't think it's your fault George finished better than you today, but... At what at what point does Lewis become frustrated losing to his teammate? Like it's got to happen. I like, mean, I think deep down inside, it's burning him, and I'm hoping that it comes out because we do know that Lewis has the ability to turn it on. If George finishes this season with more points than Lewis, it is a disappointing failure for Lewis, and it yeah. will be a stain in his career. I don't think it'll be a stain. But it will be because you're a seven time world champ. You should have. You're coming off a season where you close the season incredibly. And then you lose to a rookie driver. I just think that that's the George's not a rookie, but a rookie. A rookie with Mercedes. Yeah, but... It's just... Or does it speak to how good George is? In my eyes, it's unacceptable. It's... Listen, you should never discredit George, and I won't just discredit George, but I will look at Lewis as a fail... Like, it's a failed season. Yeah, but isn't it a failed season if he doesn't win now with his stature? I mean, of course. But if you lose to your teammate, that's even worse. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, we've got a lot of season to go. There's so, so much of a, le- like, his legacy is so stamped that it doesn't put anything, like, it doesn't change his legacy for me. It doesn't stain it for me. It's just, I just think, like, the, the dynamics got to change. Like, you just can't be content with George beating you. 
Like, of it, course it doesn't not. It's toxic. just like it is like it's got to be burning inside now. And I think that Lewis needs to realize that whatever car he has, the battle is between his teammates. Yeah, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't want to have that sneak or repeat itself, and that's why probably he, he's maybe tempering his expectations. But I'm I'm just I'll be surprised if the the I'll be surprised if the dynamic stays like this for the rest of the year, where it's just like happy go lucky. Toto did say before the race that he's very happy with the struggles they've had. Yeah, he says that it'll make them better in the long term. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know. Toto is a, he is the salesman. Everything's half full, right? So I, you got to take with a grain of salt with what he says. But he also doesn't speak unless he's confident. So we'll see. Yeah, because he also said we don't have a championship car at all earlier. It's kind of changed. We'll see. Like, there's a lot of season left. I'm glad that Monaco's behind us because, honestly, like, watching this race today, yes, from a strategy standpoint, that's probably... The best thing about Monaco is quality on Saturday and the strategy in the race. The rest of it, from an entertainment standpoint, it was just really boring. <laughs> Did you were you not on your seat every time you saw them go through like a fast? Like, to me, I was interested in seeing how why they came on corner and if they go into a wall because you know I'm surprised nobody slid into the wall. They were drifting into the. Well, that's what I mean. Like I still found it entertaining for like, at least the first twenty ish laps because it was wet. And then at the end of it, it was just like you saw a bunch of racing and it was like, does Lewis pass Alonzo? And then it kind of went to Carlos catching Checo. So I don't know. Maybe maybe fans got to approach it looking at the storylines. You have to look at it very different. But um, they're obviously in negotiations and contract talks right now with the promoters. We'll see what happens. But but it's no different than like when you think of somewhere like, I mean, listen, Baku and Jadal got long straights, but it's not like racing, racing like, I mean, I guess there is some... There's a real DRS. Like, DRS plays a part. Monaco DRS does nothing. But my whole thing is, like, street races tend to to be kind of... Like, Singapore is no different than this. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard because we haven't had Singapore, so I can't wait to see it again. But it's just, like, in general, like, street circuits don't feel like... Like, when you think of, like, a Spa, Monza, Silverstone, like, there's a lot of racing, right? Like... Barcelona, Austin, a, Texas, baby. Yeah, there's a lot of racing involved, so it's just it's tough to say that. Like, I, I, I don't mind if they get rid of Monaco, but I just find in general street circuits are just going to be like this. So we got to find the beauty in this in, in in the street races. Yeah, you you got to look to find. Listen, we don't have to enjoy every street race. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there is beauty in it. When I think of our street races, I loved Miami street race. I like uh, Jeddah. I love Baku. Forget I, I can't talk on Singapore because I literally haven't seen a Singapore race now <laughs> since we've been going hard. Um, Monaco might be the worst. Yeah, I didn't mind Monaco. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it getting rid of it either. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. They, they definitely need to... They either need to change the circuit or they can move on from it. But it's it's it's... There's been more boring races like Mexico. Yeah, but Mexico, you know, okay. So this is where we have differences. From a technical racing standpoint, you are accurate. Mexico is just more fun from a entertainment and event standpoint. Sure. So there's racing and then there's the entire experience. I also think the Monaco experience is kind of like blah. Well, I mean, that's because you're not there. I'm sure if you're there, you'd be soaking in yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like there's not that many fans because it's not that big. 
I mean, they're all spread out throughout the city, the, the country. It's not that it's not just that Mexico is a is just crazy. Like the vibe, the energy. Um, it, it's cool. I think we do need to touch on on uh, McLaren because I feel like this weekend. I think the writing's on the wall between Danny Rick and the team. I feel like there's just they're both in different places. It's probably feeling awkward. I feel like there's going to be tension now. What happens at summer break? Uh, Daddy's locked in, at least to the end of this year, for sure. I don't see him making a switch mid-year. Um, nothing. I think I think Danny's going to probably do out the remainder of his contract of 2023. I know that McLaren just lock, locked in Pato Award to his contract long-term in, an, in another motorsport, not F1. So it's an interesting dynamic because we're going to sit here and we're going to dissect Danny Ricardo and we're going to be like, hey, he's not this, he's not that, which he clearly isn't, but... On the flip side is, who are you replacing him with? I think the big question, though, and it's become more apparent, is they're not comfortable paying him the money he's earning. But the, the, who, who are you switching him with? Well, you He still s- has a hardcore contract unless someone buys him out. They, Zach Brown said there are things in the contract that can pull early, and there are things in the contract that... Yeah, and we don't know, but I'm saying, until we know those details, I don't want to discuss that. Who are you pulling him out for? If you can't, like, like, theoretically, we if if McLaren, if McLaren can get rid of him, let's both say it. They, they should get rid of him if they can get rid of this contract. But if they're locked in his contract, who is better than Danny Ricardo? And you have to pay Danny Ricardo's contract. Yeah, you have to take a rookie driver because you're not going to bring back a Hulkenberg. You're not going to... Because Danny Ricardo's probably at the same level, if not better, and you're paying his salary. So it's like, you if you're going to say that Danny Ricardo is... Washed, that's fair. But until we know that McLaren I can actually think, get out of the contract. So I think it's, so the, in my mind, this is how I see it playing out. I could see Ocon coming across because uh, Alpine wants to take that young French driver. Are you talking about Oscar Piastri? No, no. There's another oh, Theo, young French. Theo, yes, yeah. because he's French. It's Alpine. But they no, like Al- him. Piastri is, is there. Yeah, but it doesn't back. mean they have to take him. No. That young French driver is still, I think, two or three years away. But regardless of so, I think Piastri is the best talent. People think he's like, Piastri is the next up for an F1 scene when you talk about young talent. So so you think Ocon makes his way to McLaren? Yes, unless Piastri well, comes across. Where where you're, where you're wrong is that Ocon's locked in 2024. Mm. So he's extended for a long time into Alpine. So he, he is Alpine's future. Um I could see Alonzo back to McLaren. I can see. It kind of sounds of late that like, I don't know what the relationship's like there with Alonzo, but Alonzo has made it very clear that he still wants to compete for a championship. Yeah. McLaren's not competing for a championship this year. Yeah, but neither is Alpine. Exactly. But I think out of those two teams within the next, say, two or three years, who has a better chance to compete for a championship? McLaren. So then that's that makes sense. But my thing is, are you going full in on youth? I, th- I think when you talk about going full in on youth, you have to be really exceptional because you're not like Williams or Haas. You're Alpine and McLaren. You still have standards. Like you still have like big sponsorships. Although you're not Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari, you still have, you're, you're still one of the bigger teams in this league. For sure. So I don't think you can just gamble all in on youth. Like and that's I just think, my opinion. Um, just to add to this, because I saw Stefano's comments, the CEO of F1, like they're not entertaining adding another team. 
Yeah, as of right now, we'll see. So, we'll see how they feel later. But yeah, I don't know. It's for me, it's difficult. Like I understand where you what, where you want to gamble on youth, but we've seen what youth looks like right now. There's only oh, exceptional, so yeah. many youth drivers that can do it. Like there's only going to be so many George Russells, Lando Norris's, and Max Verstappen. And let's be real, like those drivers aren't necessarily like they're young, but like they've been at this. Like look at the rookie drivers or the first, second year drivers. None of them are really showing us anything. Yeah, and even when you think about it, there's been very rare young drivers that really enter onto the, the best team. So when you think of Max, he was on Toro Rosso for, for a year and a half. Yeah, look at Lewis, same thing. Lewis was on. Well, Lewis entered McLaren, and McLaren was a top team. But George Russell was on Williams. Lando Norris entered a midfield team. So you know, I wouldn't. I don't see. I don't see it happening again with McLaren because Lando's a young guy. But who knows? I could be wrong. But back to the original point with Danny Rick. For me. You got to have someone that's better than him to replace him. Because at the end of the day, you're still McLaren. You're still getting paid a lot of money. And Danny Rick showed you he can still win a race. When he led that race, he made no mistakes. And then he was facing against Max Verstappen for the first 20, 20 plus laps. So he's showing you he still has pace in him. But I just don't think he cares anymore. That's just that's my honest opinion. honestly where my head's at. Because I, if we go back and dissect Danny's career, there are obviously moments and flashes in time that have tricked people in believing that he is a championship caliber driver. I mean, his salary... I don't think... His salary reflects that. I don't think trick people is the right word. I think he's shown flashes of... Flashes. Being, yeah. So he commands a salary. Um, and if you're Lando, I mean, obviously Lando's going to be there with his new contract. But it's just like, Danny, does it not hurt you inside that you're getting destroyed by your teammate? Uh, but probably. like you said... He just does not care. I mean, also, you got to think about this, too. Danny's been at it for so long. He's been at it for almost 10 years, right? Sorry, he's, yeah, he's been at it for 10 years because he started with Toro also, too. Um, so maybe Danny just understands, like, I get paid. I'm not going to win a championship in this car, so what's the point? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's not how I think you and I would approach it, but, yeah, I guess. But, 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 you, but let's flip the shoes, right? If you weren't driving for a Ferrari, Red Bull, or Mercedes, did you legitimately think you have a championship shot? Like, you, you got to think about it, right? I wouldn't want to be running in the bottom 10. I hear you, but when you make money like you're a top three driver, top five driver, and you've made all the money in the world, and you're this larger-than-life persona in your sport, and think about Danny Rick. That's the guy he is. Like, maybe you're not him, but think from his eyes. What, is, what does it matter? He's getting paid well, right? He, he's obviously one of the biggest stars in, in the sport. To him, he's probably like, oh, I can grab one more. His first entry was in 2011. Yeah, he's been driving for 11 years. He has eight wins. Probably 10 consistent years. He has three pole positions. Where will Danny Rick's career fall? Okay, so let me throw this out to you. We think Carlos Sainz is a good driver, and he could win one. He could have won one. That's what we thought. So what's different than Danny Rick five years um, ago? I think Carlos um, will never hit the highs that Danny hit. But that's my whole point. You got to think of that. It's like, so what's the difference of when we think Carlos is going to be really good at 27, they're thinking Danny Rick's going to be really good at I don't 25. know. I mean, we're starting, like, I know that, you've been but, on it, but, but I don't know if Carlos is... But that, but no, but that's my whole point, is that the flashes we've seen in Carlos, people saw in Danny five years ago. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's where I... I, I like, we can't, like... Carlos has shown he has potential, but, you know, being consistent is the hardest thing. That's why Lewis is so great, because he's so consistent. That's why Max is so good, because he's so consistent. So it doesn't mean those guys aren't fast. It just means they're not. What do you think the consensus fast? is along the grid? Because 
you got to think about this, right? We understand industry. We understand any business, any sports, there are politics, there's chitter chatter. In F1, there are only 20 teams. I mean, 10 teams, 20 drivers. Like, it's very small. And I'm sure there's a lot of talking. Do you think people are like... Oh, for sure. There's no different than the conversation we're having right now. Like, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell probably just say to each other, like, Danny Rick just said it for the fun and the money. I'd love to just be a fly on the wall in some yeah, of these rooms. I, I like, what's Zach Brown saying? I'm sure Zach's probably banging his head. I don't want to say Danny Rick is doesn't care about winning, but... I wouldn't be surprised if he if he only cared about um, the the lifestyle because you know the reality of it is some professional athletes love what comes along with the life of being a professional athlete. Of course, some of them actually love the sport and want to be the greatest. Someone like a Max Verstappen loves the sport. Yeah, because you hear he doesn't really care about the lifestyle. Obviously, he reaps the benefits of being a professional driver with the money he makes, but you don't see Max doing all this crazy stuff. He's pretty low key. He just wants to race and be the best racer. So. When you look at that, it's like, do I think that Danny Rick puts on, gives it his all every single day? No. no, it's like, I just think he loves the lifestyle. And you know what? It is what it is. You've earned your spot to make $15 million. He, exactly. He's earned his spot. Can't knock him there. He's there. He's making a lot of money. Um, he's got a seat in F1. Yeah, I want to talk about Sonoda. He kept running off the track, which was hilarious. You know, you. Uh, I'm not sure if you've picked up on this, but Yuki said going into Monaco that it's like he hates Monaco. He says it's the hardest track. Yeah, it would make sense. It takes a lot of patience, and Yuki's very. And Yuki just Yuki's hates not really that. patient. Yeah, but he he just kept running off the track. I mean, George limits. George got a a black and white flag for going off the track limits. It it was like Monaco. Monaco's got its own its own beast. If if you if you look into the own storylines of Monaco, then you might find the beauty in it. But I can see why the average slash casual fan just absolutely hates Monaco. For sure. Um, quickly, because points are update. So Checo's in third. Guess how many points he's behind Charles? Probably like four or five. Yeah, a year close. Six points. Yeah. Man. How much? And now, now Charles is probably, what, about 12 points behind Max? 15 points? Nine. Close. 125, 116, 110, George Russell 84, so Carlos 83. Checo's basically one, one, for one win and Max being fifth to being the, the leader. Yeah. Yeah, should be interesting. We got a good year. Um, Carlos passed George, right? Yeah. Uh, no, George is ahead of Carlos by one point. Yeah. Ooh, good year, good year. And in the constructors, you've got Red Bull at 235. Ferrari at 199, Mercedes at 134. Yeah, I think it's... 100 points between Mercedes and Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull, uh, definitely the favorite to win the championship as of right now. But things change, and now shout out to my boy George, man. George is making some noise. I'll tell you right now. about that. George has, what, 80-something points? 85? 84. Lewis has 50. Is Lewis is losing Lando now, right? No, he's ahead of Lando by, by two what? points. Two points? Okay. If Ferrari loses this season as a constructor, it's not going to be like the end of the world, but it, it's going to be, it's not going to be good. So, why do you say that? I need to hear your reasoning behind that. Because we all know they pretty much took a year off to go all in. They came out as the best car. Um, and they're going to, if they do lose it, they're going to lose because of Carlos. Okay, so we'll talk about that. So, A, we understand that F1 is a year-long sport. There's car development, and Red Bull is clearly better at developing as of right now. And actually, I won't even say that because, you know what, Ferrari just had bad luck today. 
Obviously, Charles' car. It's stopped. the team's fault. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying that in terms of purely developing the car. But I'm not going to change my expectation, and you can either. You came into this year in December saying, "I just want to see Ferrari compete for a championship." That is the, that's what the, we said. That is the measure if they had a successful. But we year. also have to always remember that they are the Tafasi. They that's are not the, the point, best constructor. But, 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 but I'm talking about our expectations. You said they took a year off to make sure they're competitive. You want to see them be fighting for a championship. Now they're doing that. So why does that change our expectation of the it year? It doesn't. You're right. So I'm not, I'm not coming out here and being like old media, as no, Draymond you're, Green would you're, say, you're, is you're, we put clear expectations that I expected Tufasi to fight for a championship. If they lose by more than 100, 120 points, that's when I'm going to have That's when it's bad. But they've shown that they've, they've developed a championship-level car. Is Carlos a, ch- a championship-level driver? No, as of right now. Is Charles a championship-level driver? Yes, yes, in my opinion. So, if the chips don't fall their way, it is what it is, but they've done their job. They built a car that can compete for a championship, so I'm not changing my expectation or switching up on them. They have earned my respect for getting their car back up to this year. Good. I'll leave it at that. Cool. All right, driver of the di- uh, dragger of the days. You ha- Your dragger was looking really yeah. hot. Then he kind of just fizzled out. I mean, he still finished uh, 12th. I'm oh, saying, sorry, 11th. Yeah, because of Ocon. But I'm saying he, he, he fizzled out, though. I thought he was going to be storming up the ladder the whole time. He started 17th, finished 11th. Nah. Bottas finished 9th, right? He went from 12th to 9th. Both of, had, both of us had decent dragger picks. Yeah, it was um, Sonoda came last. <laughs> I told you he kept going into the he kept going off the track, bro. Yeah, into sector one. It was he hilarious. kept going off. Every time I seen a yellow flag, I was like, "Oh shit, who got in an accident?" And it just Sonoda runs off. By the way, I I hate the idea of only having two hours for a race. I'm I'm just not a fan of it. Well, yeah, it's just because of TV rights. Like, yeah, I get it, but I'm saying I hate the fact that it can only be two hours of a race. If we had a full seventy-seven laps or seventy-eight laps minus the one lap, whatever, because of fuel. Maybe Carlos wins that race, but it just I just think it's really dumb how you have to cut it off the I yeah. think you should go through laps, but all in all, not 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 too bad of a weekend. So we've got um Canada next. No Baku, man. Oh Baku, yeah, that's right, Baku. And then Canada. That's right. We got Baku, then Canada, man. It's gonna be I feel I'm looking forward to Baku. We got two weeks. Uh it means that all the teams have time to continue to develop. I'm not sure how much Mercedes learned to Monaco, but... I'm sure they learned a lot for the low-speed corners. You know, time is running. Yeah, they've, they probably learned a lot for the low-speed corners, I will say that. Like, don't underestimate how much they learned from going into um, these low-speed slash mid-speed corners. So, because you, you've heard, like, all their sectors in those type of corners are really bad, and their car is really, like, unstable in those sectors. So, I'm very curious to see if they develop the car from this weekend, because they should have got a lot of data. Like, a lot of data. Yeah, we go to we go to Baku and then straight from Baku to Canada. That's a that's a continental swap in a week. That's a good what like eight hour time zone difference for sure. And just getting all the stuff there will be a thing. But I'm looking at the map. Are they going over in a week? Yeah, it's a week straight from Baku to Canada. Yeah, that's really stupid. Um, whatever. There's a really the the straight on uh, at Baku is great. Like you, you're gonna get overtakes. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see you guys uh, probably Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday with another episode. Make sure you guys tap into all of our other podcasts. We are a podcast network. Shout out to our fans that reach out to us or even our listeners. I won't call them fans, our listeners. We appreciate it. 
The stopwatch does not lie. You are correct. Mercedes year is probably about 99% done, I would say. But Wow, 99 is heavy. Yeah, but they're behind 80 points and they're fighting two people. Like it's starting the this, the margins are starting to get really slim. It's 100 points. Okay, so they're down even more points. If you look at the constructors, 235 like to 134. 101 points. So my whole point behind that is the margins are becoming slim as as we speak. I think, um, I mean, this is, we're just talking pure speculation. You're saying 99, like this all is just pure speculation. I don't think it's that bad. Okay, 90%. They have like a temper chance. Temp- I'm cool I basically think the year is wrapped up. Yeah, it's that's tough. Unless they come up with something drastic. My expectation Mercedes now is they're going to figure out their car will be the best by the end of the year. All right, I'm going to put this here for you just now. Will Lewis ever win an eighth championship? No. Okay. My reasoning is I think next year is his last year. And I think when you put a year behind George, a year with Mercedes with George, Max is still in the hunt. Charles will be in the hunt. Gonna have to go with no. Like it's just odds. I think Lewis could, but if he only races one more year, which is next year, and they have the best car, well, he's fighting against George. He's still fighting against Charles. He's fighting against Max, Carlos, Checo. It's a lot more of a competitive grid next year. So very factual. That I'm just basing off a of logic. Now, do I, I will want take Lewis a monumental. heroic, goaded season to do it? And if he does, incredible. But yeah, I mean that's the tough part. Lewis, your time's running, man, and you can't be partying. So what's in your New answer? York. Um, I think Lewis gets eight within by next year. Like, I think he only races one more year. I think by the end of this season, they have figured out their car. They developed it going into next season. They are a top runner and Lewis will put in the final year of his career and just go out on, on top. It's a fairy tale ending. I mean, it's complete. No, if that's the way you think, that's the way you think. I logic and. Logically, everyone else is getting better. George is going to get better. Max ain't going away. Charles ain't going away. It's hard. But as a Lewis fan, I got to have some sort of optimism that he can do it. I also expect, like, McLaren to get better, Alpine. Facts. So I expect all these cars to get better. And it's not like Mercedes had a chokehold they had in 2014 all the way up to 2020, right? So, yeah, for me to know. Man, Lewis, I'll tell you right now, if you finish with seven... There will be those races when you lost to Nico, the DNFs. There'll be Abu Dhabi. There'll be Baku. It will haunt. There will be. You should have had nine. Yeah, I mean, he should have had Oh, you nine. know what? He could have had seven. He argued could have had ten. So, yeah, that other. Because so. of his rookie year when he lost by one point. So, very um, unfortunate. But if he, if, so if he doesn't win eight, is he still your GOAT? Because yeah. I know your goat is Lewis Hamilton, but... Yeah, he, he'll be my goat um, just because of how dominant him and Mercedes were. But Schumacher was more dominant. He won five in a row. He did win five in a row. So what would be your argument to Lewis over Schumacher? I think um, the only... The, listen, one, I'm biased because I'm a Lewis fan, but... No, your just, logical argument. You can't, you, you can't be biased. How is he your goat? I was going to say more race wins, but he raced more races because the seasons got longer. So I have no argument. Yeah. And Schumacher also and Schumacher, had one year where he went, he exactly. made a podium every, he has his level of dominance is higher. The only thing that can give Lewis the GOAT status is an eighth title. If it stays at seven, he doesn't have a case. That You know what? That is accurate. He needs to win eight to get over the hump. If not, Michael's career is more impressive because he did it in shorter seasons 
He won five. He, he won, won five, five in a row. In a row. He, one season, he hit every single podium. So, Louis, if you're listening to this, man, I need you to stop with the antics. <laughs> Get in the garage, bro. Turn on Hammer Time. Don't lose to George. Maybe that's why Lewis is not. Get, maybe that's why Lewis is chilling this year because he's like, we get the car ready for next year, and then I'm just locked in for a whole he year. He puts in the final year. Yeah, but anyways, we we're signing off on that note. Schumacher is still the go until Lewis wins a. I, th- I think that's fair statement. Very fair. Shout out to Checo, man. Listen, I'm so happy because I just do not want Checo to get the shitty treatment. He from is going to get the shitty treatment. Well, he hasn't, but last race he did. Not it was the he, first sign. He still is going to get the shitty treatment. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, listen, I said that at the jump of the pie. So Christian Horner is still going to be a maxer. Let's, let's hope better from Christian Horner. Let's and hope that's not the case. If, if Checo won a championship, that'd be sick. So, anyways. If Checo won a championship, no. That means Red Bull won another championship. So, no. They're running away with it right now. I'm telling you. They're not. Well, they're running away with it. Yeah, we'll see. All right, guys. We'll see you guys uh, sometime this week. Peace. Peace.